0: Tonight, on Hops and Box Office Flops, we'll be kicking off our Hops and Xenomorph flop series with the movie that almost ended David Fincher's career before it even started, 1992's chestburster of a flop, Alien 3. Hops
1: and Box Office Flops, a place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much-maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the 192nd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment We are the internet's only bad movie and good beer podcast, co-sponsored by the Double Y Chromosome Prison Book Club on Fury 161. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight for this first installment in our Hops and Xenomorph flop series, where we're going to review the not-so-great sequels of the Alien franchise. Joining me on this episode is the only guy on the pod who looks like one of the movie's prisoners, the Thunderous Wizard.
2: The dragon did it, I I swear. It was the dragon, wasn't me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the dragon
0: okay thanks a lot ralph fines all right uh anyway we're also joined by the pod member voted most likely to join a religious cult in a space prison
3: bling blake please don't call me 85 for the entire
0: podcast no you're safe that was going to be captain cash but uh i guess the dragon
2: got him before we dive super deep into the movie when that guy signed on to the movie by the way that's dell from Wayne's World 2. The character was a lot more intelligent and written in a a way that was very rich. And then they dumbed him down and he got mad. So they decided to be vengeful and called him 85 in the script.
0: As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and BOFlops. Flops. You can find us just about anywhere you can download the finest podcasts. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at Wobam E N T on Twitter and Instagram for all of your Xenomorph Queen slash Ripley slash fic content needs. And listener, if you don't know what slash fic is, just
2: ask Captain Cash. So that means I don't want to know what what slash fic is.
3: Don't Google it at work. I definitely know it means that I cannot afford it.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you could have some commission, though, if you could. But anyway, that brings us to beer. And tonight, I've selected a space-themed beer with a royal name to pair with a movie that's uh, set in space and features a queen. I'm drinking Cigar City Brewing's Cosmic Crown. It's a Belgian-style gold ale There's a welcome departure from my normal IPA selections. My Cosmic Crown, it, it pours a gold, hazy yellow color. With a good finger ahead and uh, it smells sweet with uh, fruity notes and it finishes with a multi almost doughy flavor um it's also got some like pleasant floral and herbal notes uh and more importantly it checks in with a captain cash approved nine percent abv uh so i'm going to give cosmic crown two bad movies uh it's uh it's yeah it's kind of like a hardcore version of your uh you know, blue moon like much like last week's movies for men, this is Blue Moon for men. So cheers.
2: Okay. Or Blood Moon, you know, because a lot of people die in this movie. So <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a, That's a That's a different thing. But yeah, sure, sure. That's um, a rather
3: uh, misogynistic take on your beer description, given the fact that we're you know watching a movie featuring a a, a female protagonist.
0: Well, it was a little little tongue in cheek, you know.
3: I mean, women yeah. are strong enough to drink good beer
0: too, Chumzilla you you were absolutely correct And is this not women's history no, month i'm not
3: none, none of them are dumb enough to listen to this podcast but yeah, it's true <laughs> but no
0: it's uh yeah, no yeah, but it's, it, it's definitely yeah. a more complex like belgian style ale i'll say that yeah it's interesting so misogyny aside yeah. i'm sticking with that too bad movie rating. our,
2: our male to female splits very similar to the cast of this movie so <laughs>
3: yeah the only women that listen to this podcast are our wives and mothers and girlfriends I think and my mom doesn't definitely doesn't listen to it that's for sure
2: no my wife sits it out for sure as well so what are you talking about she she did watch the uh assembly cut with me and she's like, are you, like aren't you supposed to watch the theatrical one I go just let's watch the better one first I'm not yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. I mean, so how did, how did the missus put up with it, though? Because this is not a real exciting movie if you don't have some of the history to it.
2: So, uh, like I wanted to with about 40 minutes to go, she went to sleep like an hour in. She gave up. That was it. Sounds she, about right. She said, oh, that was kind of gross a couple times. Uh, and then she's quit. Just quit. <laughs> mm hmm. And I, and I kept trying to explain to her things like about the behind the scenes. She's like, you know, I, I don't care. It's like, okay, yeah. all right, sounds good. good yeah, this
0: this is definitely one of those movies that falls in the category of the drama and the background behind the scenes stuff being more interesting than the film itself. So let's talk about the directors, writers, and cast of Alien 3. Uh, now this was uh, Fincher's first feature film So he was a rookie, but his direction is 100% not the issue with this film. If anything, he salvaged like a formless blob of a movie and made it into something that almost works. Uh, Now, he got the job after Rennie Harlan passed on the project in 1987 as it was nearing like development hell territory. Previously, Fincher was known for his commercial and music video work. And at the time, Fox was working with a script from a neuromancer author, William Gibson. Now this version was a cold war allegory meant to be two movies shot back to back. This version focused on Hicks fighting aliens on a space mall uh, in the first of the two films and then Ripley returning at the end to be a feature character in the second film to help fight the aliens on earth. Um, And the final version of the script was finished by Walter Hill. Uh, and uh, David Geiler. Uh, now, those are some actually pretty decent Hollywood names. Walter Hill directed and wrote The Warriors, uh, the first two 48 Hours movies, Red Heat, and pod
2: favorite, Bullet to the Bullet Head. to the Head. Let's go, Walter.
0: Yeah. And Geiler had done The Money Pit, and he'd been one of the writers on Aliens. Um, and so <laughs> oh, The Money Pit. You mean this movie? <laughs> yeah. Now, to be clear, those guys wrote their own version of the script um, or at least finished a version of it. And this version I'm talking about is not the Gibson version. Their version was based on a script that had been written by Vincent Ward. He's the guy that directed and wrote what dreams may come weird movie. Uh, And that film or script featured monks living on a wooden satellite, whatever the hell that means. So Fox asked Ward to swap the monks for prisoners the wooden planet for a prison foundry, and then not to kill Ripley in the end. So this guy, Ward, refused to make those changes and walked, and that's when Hill and Giler stepped in, and they finished the movie making the changes that Fox had asked. So it's kind of a mess there. But there's like at least two, maybe three other scripts in between those versions that were floated and written and were either edits or revisions of some other stuff. And so there's just a ton of work that went into all these scripts that were never actually used. And uh, yeah, so like I said, the final version was kind of Frankenstein between three different writers. Uh, The cast for this film is actually a pretty Spartan cast. Reminds me a lot of the, you know, the cast for The Thing. Uh, Another Glengarry Glen Ross situation, but it's not not a big cast. Uh, Obviously, we do get uh, Sigourney Weaver returning as Ellen Ripley. We get the corpses of Newton Hicks. William S. Dutton and the roadie from Wayne's World Two, and then a bunch of random British dudes as the prisoners. That's the cast.
3: And I, I just can't handle you calling Pete Postlewaite a random British dude. granted, oh. they didn't give him anything to do in the movie, but he is a pedigreed actor, sir. Yeah, and well, Father is a fantastic film.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, the big joke in the making of is like, oh, here's all these guys who did Shakespeare and they have like no distinct personalities and you don't know any of their names.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's terrible. Like yeah. th- th- there are some some decent actors in this cast that just don't get used and don't get a chance to to do really anything except yeah. die gruesomely.
0: Yeah. And and you know the film was uh shot in the uh Pinewood Studio soundstage which explains the british flavor of all the Prisoner players, much like Star Wars. Apparently, Britain had conquered the, the uh, space in, in this universe because everyone's got a British accent.
3: I mean, it does kind of explain all of the the vaguely Asian writing in the background. I mean, I know it's the the Wayland Yutani Corporation, so there's you know that yeah. kind of influence. But you're like, oh, okay, so like space space Hong Kong. So we're dealing with here.
0: Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, that would that would make sense. uh So. The production of Alien 3 was a mess from the beginning. The original script was rushed into production uh, due to a looming Writers Guild strike, and the studio didn't have a lot of confidence in Fincher at the time as a first-time director. So everything was just in a big, big rush. Um, And then the writers thing didn't really matter in the end, uh, but they'd already announced the release date, and they were going to stick to that schedule no matter what. And they allegedly had a studio goon on set at all times to keep tabs on Fincher. So- yes.
2: And that's sort of covered in the documentary because there's a guy who, there's a producer who goes and it's very clear he's just Fincher's babysitter. Uh, but also like what they're tossing around is like Fox needed this to be a hit. Like Fox was in not good financial straits. Which Mm -hmm. is why, when they announced the release date, they couldn't then backpedal and push it. They wanted this to get out no matter what it was. They thought it would make money. Yep. It's all, it's just one of the most like, and probably there was bonuses involved, like Justice League, right? Like, because the assholes who were overseeing this whole thing, like, were bullying Fincher and, and, and other folks involved with the production. But it is, it's like a catastrophe of corporate hierarchy and nonsense.
0: Yeah, it's probably a situation where they needed to have this hit in the second quarter of 92 for financial reasons. But uh, yeah, and, and basically, it, what, Aliens was what, 86?
2: Yeah, six years before this. Yeah. And
0: they immediately started the work of trying to get a sequel going. And that's why Rennie Harland walked. So 87, 88, they were still floundering. So it wasn't until 90 that they even had a quote unquote script that they were going to use. Um, yeah. so it took him some time, and then this Reddy, movie took almost a year to, to edit. I think in the end,
2: Randy Harlan basically worked on it like he did work on the movie for over a year, and they're like, No, it's gonna cost too much. And as soon as they were like, Okay, no war thing, we're done with that, he's like, Well, I'm not doing the same thing that's been done,
0: yeah. Now, so it, I mean, it, it wasted a lot of time and money there in the end. Um, and like, like you said, they refused to push that release date. Uh, even though they didn't have a script for you know for several years, and as a result, the filming schedule was extremely chaotic and rushed. The script was literally being written and rewritten during filming. Uh, Fincher walked out of the editing room and effectively has disowned the theatrical version. He just yep. got so fed yep. up with the the interference from the uh, of the studio. It's not that they locked him out. You know, I think I made that misconception myself. I thought the studio had kicked him out. No. He was allowed in the editing room. He just left because he's like, I, I'm not doing this. You guys, you guys finish it yourselves. Yeah, and then I just, think that he, had, they had to do reshoots and stuff without him.
2: Uh, multiple weeks of reshoots because yeah. when they finished this movie, it wasn't done because as they're writing it on the fly, there was no there was no ending. There was no there was key scenes that just weren't in the movie. And mm-hmm. they were shooting like 16 hour days and they couldn't finish the film because they didn't have it, it written. And uh, even when they did the assembly cut, it's not a director's cut because he basically told the guy, I forget who it is, like, no, no, I trust you. You do it. I want nothing to do with this. He thought about it. He's like, I'm done. Like, that part of my life is over. That, like, he nearly quit film entirely. Not that he wasn't going to get hired. He was going to quit film.
0: That sounded like a very frustrating experience for a guy who clearly has a very good, you know, director's vision. Well,
2: The thing is, like, you empathize with him, of course, but you also empathize with the producers because it's his first movie, but he's doing all the typical Fincher shit, which is like reshooting scenes 50 to 60 times. And no, no, that blood's not the right color. We got to do it again. No, no, it's still not right. We got to do it again. Or there's, uh, not in the theatrical cut, but if you watch the assembly cut, there's an outdoor scene, basically to show you how desolate this place is in which they live. And he's like... If the sky is blue, he says this like during the documentary, we cannot shoot. And the guy's like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't think you're understanding me. If the sky is this color blue, we cannot shoot. Essentially meaning like they had like a 15 minute window to shoot this scene every day. Because <laughs> that's how much of a perfectionist he is.
0: That uh, sounds a bit like the uh Island of Dr. Moreau guy.
2: Yes like As obsessing a over director, the tiniest details except that guy had like done movies you know yeah but that's but, that's
0: stuff that, be, that can definitely be corrected in post yes like, you got to learn how you got to learn how to like make a movie and not worry about being a control freak to that degree and that's like you know but yeah again rookie, rookie stuff you know rookie stuff but anyway perhaps the most damning example of the studio meddling was their request to not shoot the scene of the alien getting up close and personal with a terrified Ripley. I mean, this is literally the movie's signature shot. So Fincher shot the scene in secret and it ended up in the trailer as well as the theatrical cut. Uh, how could you not like that scene? Like, that's like the shot of the movie.
2: So this is like Wonder Woman, right? What did WB want to take out? The trench warfare scene. Like, Oh, that's too mm-hmm. much. Without that scene. This movie is forgettable. There's not a single moment in it that you would ever see again in pop culture.
0: Oh ever. yeah, no, that's it, that's it. When you go to IMDb, boom, Alien Three. That's the first thing that pops up. That's the only thing you remember.
3: I'm I'm sure it was even like spoofed at some point, right? Like, did did we never see like a a, a fake xenomorph? Ripley scene in like you know scary movie or something like that I'm, I'm sure we I, had to at some point right I, I'm like, sure the Simpsons did it at least SNL Simpsons something
0: yeah
2: uh, probably I mean, turtles new- at some point because they had those uh pizza monsters that were essentially xenomorphs but oh comprised yeah, of yeah pizza that lived in the store
0: yeah well and you think about it too I mean this movie doesn't give us anything new aside from that I mean we've already seen the chest bursters the face huggers the second set of jaws like there's nothing to this movie except that scene where we see one actually
2: this movie gives us nothing because you don't even get the insanity of unknowing what the facehugger is doing or the novelty of the acid blood because by the way that doesn't happen in the movie uh there there is sort of an acid scene but it's
0: alluded to during the opening credits but that's it yeah
2: um and So without it, like, what does this movie add to the alien mythos?
0: Well, the only thing it really does give us, which is
2: interesting, but we just don't see enough
0: of it to matter, is that this is the first time we see the alien take the anatomical form of its host Yes, in in a way that maybe we hadn't considered previously. Which was from
2: the Ward script. Because the Ward script, right, wasn't it supposed to be the monks were basically... Conducting genetic tests with the xenomorph sample and creating No, there, there, there was a
0: there. there was a I don't think that was in his script, but there was a version of the script. I forget who worked okay. on it, but there was a version where it was yes, it was a prison, but Wyland Utani was doing experiments on the prisoners.
2: Okay, because there's a lot of like,
0: which again probably would have been a better movie because it would have had a you would have had like a more clear bad guy. There's
2: a lot of like like art out there of an alien that's like a horse hybrid and obviously they were workshopping it because the ideas look really stupid right it's not an alien that looks like a horse it's literally a fucking xenomorph centaur
0: yeah and i think these things all went into comics some of these unused ideas went into the dark horse comics some of them ended up in the kenner toy line that came out yeah which is around this time
2: all the toys i had because there was the gorilla and the the, the scorpion snake. and the bull and the snake and but yeah. they were very xenomorph throughout there wasn't like a wasn't like a half and a half scenario
0: yeah right 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 uh but no so i mean it gets that but we don't see enough of that alien for it to really matter you have to be a pretty big dork to even notice that oh yeah it it moves different it, well the only time on
2: it shows you that is on is in the shitty cgi sequences which yeah when just, in the
3: ceiling like and right when it comes out of the of the dog you kind of like oh it's on all fours but but you, it could also just be crawling. You know what I mean? Like exactly. You don't, you don't totally get it. And honestly, if I hadn't, if I hadn't already watched Prometheus because it's coming up, and then started reading about it since that's the one I'll be hosting, like I, I don't think I would have even picked up on the fact that the alien takes the xenomorph takes on yeah. the form of of its host, right? I, I didn't. I, I don't know. I guess I always missed that in the past.
0: Yeah, and even the scenes where you do get the longest shots of it when it's crawling on the ceiling. It looks like the aliens from Alien Two crawling on the ceiling on all fours. It's not clear that it's got the recumbent legs or whatever they call that. Yeah, you the backwards, yeah.
3: the backward nebos, right? Yeah. yeah,
0: but but yeah, you don't get enough of that for it to matter, which is sad because again, that's like the only interesting thing the movie really does. The main right. thing and they it'll give you much of
2: it is the tubing on the backs. Mm. It's the only thing that is really different about this alien. Yeah, there is yep, no yep. tubing coming out of the back of the xenomorph.
0: Yep, um, and I will say the puppet does look really good. The CGI just looks really, really, really bad. Yes. But yes. anyway, so the movie was poorly received by critics and fans alike. It's widely viewed as the weakest entry in the franchise at the time of its release. Um, I'm, some people might still feel that way, but I think it's aged a little bit better, mostly because of Fincher's reputation and the existence of the assembly cut, which is the closest thing that a director's cut will ever see. Uh, but anyway, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 48% with a user score of 46, which is not shocking. This is not a fan-friendly film when compared to the action classic that came before it. Alien 3 was produced on a budget of 60 million dollars, and it only pulled in 160 million worldwide, with a hundred of that coming from the foreign territories. So this bombed hard in the States.
2: Yes, and I saw it in theaters, which uh now I question my father's parenting a little bit because this movie is unlike Aliens. It's not exactly like even a. It's not a fun watch at all.
0: No, it's very dark in its tone and effectively nihilistic all the way through. There's it no. Is, There's no yeah, happy, like, shiny nothing. It is just dark and sad.
2: In that way, it is um, very much a David Fincher movie. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's just basically you know the Social Network, but with murder.
3: And it, it really feels like they were going, like it, it was like approaching Tarantino territory. And I only say that because it, it was like, were they trying to see how many F-bombs they could fit in? Like, like, well, it's all, it's going to be rated R. So let's just get in one for every line of dialogue. Like, look, I'm a potty mouth. I, I drop a lot of F-bombs both on and off the podcast, but like, that was a lot of F-bombs. It just seemed totally unnecessary.
2: Well, you know, well, when you're writing on the all fly. Bridge, you can't count all the F-bombs because the script isn't finished. So you, really, you get one a day. They had <laughs> no idea. Yeah. yeah, It was no way idea. more
3: than one a day. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you're shooting every scene 60 times, you there's don't know.
2: There's a scene. Uh, I think it's when the, the, uh, the guy who runs the prison, the bald guy, just kidding, because yep. they're all bald. Uh, you know, he gets killed with his uh, squash ball. And I think there's five straight Fs. Like in a row from different people, and they're all reacting to the same thing with the same reaction. But it's just like, oh well, we have a lot of characters, so we gotta give them something to say, yeah. so they'll they'll just all react the exact same way. Now, yeah. I w-
3: I will say this: like, if I was in a similar setting, like let's just pretend it was our rugby team all in a cafeteria, and one of us got yanked through the ceiling to have our head eaten off, I imagine we would be a very monosyllabic group, right? Just a yeah. lot of like, F that, F, what the F is happening. Oh my F in God. Like I, I, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe it's
2: more accurate than we're I giving mean, it credit for. Okay, wait a minute. Is it a back or a forward who gets eaten? Cause if I mean, it's a back, I'm like, fuck yes. It's probably
3: a back. It's probably me. And I'm really concerned about my hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this real quickly. Apparently this is the first, uh, alien movie that shows us the alien eating people. I I still I watched the movie twice now. I still don't pick up on eating people.
2: Well, it it drags them away. It does a very predator thing with all its kills in this movie, yeah. where it drags the corpses away.
0: But I've already and- seen people cocooned and stuff. It's just like I don't. I, yeah, but this is supposed to be a distinction. Oh, but it's eating them, is it? Well, I can't tell.
2: Remember the scene where they're they're leading it in the rat race through the tunnels at the end of the movie. Yeah. And you get the really bad CGI one with the really bad sound effects? Yes. That one is eating that guy. Okay. Yeah, he's, I, okay. he's or definitely lingering over the kill for quite a while. You know,
0: I mean, I assume it was it just can't like really tell him. Yeah. Could um, be a hump, could be an eat. So that would be okay. the second sexual assault scene in the movie. Uh anyway, it was released hey, in the May right, of 92. Wait a minute. Wait a
2: minute. Since you brought that up now, and we don't really need to talk about it in the plot. Okay. How odd was it? That he puts on his goggles to commit the, the f- felonious act. I, he... man, I, I,
0: all I got to tell you is that one of the unused scripts for this film uh, went on to inspire some of the elements of the Chronicles of Riddick or, or Pitch Black.
2: Yes, I because David Twohy did write a script. Yeah. Yes, and uh, so, also, I don't Colt, know. that's Colt McElhaney. Who you'll remember from the pod is the guy hopping around on the roof like a dipshit in the Justice League, uh, Justice League film. But also, he's in basically every David Fincher property for the he most shows part. Shows up in some
3: Fincher stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, including
2: Mind Hunter, where he's one of the leads. Uh, yeah. So th- this was like one of his first big movies.
3: But yeah, I definitely took note of the of the goggles going down, and I was like, huh, maybe he has a different opinion about safe sex than I would have anticipated.
2: I mean, Always wear protection when you're. That's right. On a prison planet, a lot of debris flying around.
3: Eye protection is important yeah. in factory
2: settings. He yeah, wears those right. for two things: rape and and ping pong. So, <laughs> Ooh, okay, that took a good dark turn. uh
0: yeah. So again, released in May of ninety-two with an R rating, and it has a runtime of just under two hours. And you can stream it for free if you have stars, or pay three ninety-nine on most other streaming services. And gentlemen, that brings us to our one-liners, and I'm going to go first. Alien 3 is a lackluster quasi-reboot of the original, which gives us nothing new and fails to build on the events of aliens in any meaningful way, but hey, it's got great production values and one iconic shot.
2: Okay, yeah, I, I would just say, what happens when you mine an incredibly value IP simply for monetary gain and don't care about what the end result will be? That's Alien 3.
0: Yep, That's, uh, that checks
3: out. Bling Blake, what say you? I think I'm somewhere in the middle here. So uh, same plot as the first one, only this time in a weird prison monastery full of absolute morons and a protagonist who apparently plays down to the level of her companions.
2: True, yeah. and I think yeah. Bling Blake's on something because it's just literally titled Alien Cubed. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not actually Alien 3, it's Alien Cubed. So it's like... Mm-hmm three times as stupid as the alien script it's like you said it doesn't bring anything new to the table
3: other than a couple really small things that, that i think add to the the canon of the of the world you know the world building
0: it's just blah yeah it really does subvert the expectations in the worst way possible of the formulaic action sequel raising of the stakes you know the first movie there's one alien second movie you have more of them and it introduces a queen alien and then the third movie yeah we go back to one alien you don't see it all that much and uh yeah whatever so like, and oh, recycle okay, the well, same
2: yeah. like uh, jump scares yeah corporate yeah. awfulness it, it, and
0: yeah it takes that element of the second movie and just treads water with it doesn't really take it anywhere it just it, it's it's like almost a throwaway i have to assume correct me if I'm wrong here, T-Dubs, that's got to be one of the reshoots, the, the, the end part. That has to be something that they did well, the last minute. So,
2: so the end is like totally reshot, and they had to do it multiple times. I don't think they had the end nailed, and there was dispute over what the end should be, to the point where Ripley, um, Sigourney Weaver, had grown her hair back. And when they asked her to come back in and to shave her head, she's like, uh, no, I'm not shaving my head again. It takes forever to grow hair back. No. So they had to build a custom scalp piece. And they're like, okay, cool. It's very difficult to put this thing on. So as long as she has to wear it once, puts it on, whatever, da-da-da. They don't like how the ending goes. They may, they have to do it again. Mm. So the chestburster thing is a reshoot of a reshoot. Brutal. Because honestly, when we get to the ending of the movie, the chestburster coming out before she dies makes her sacrifice totally meaningless. She has not made a choice. She's going to well, die anyways.
0: She, But she takes it with her. Come on.
2: No, but the choice is she's given the choice survive and she can survive or do the right thing. And so she does the right thing. But in this one, it's very clear in the theatrical. It's she didn't have a choice. She was going to die either way. It robs her of any agency.
0: I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But anyway, let's move on to the plot because we just talked about the ending. And this is pretty quick. Uh, so the movie picks up right after the events of Aliens. Ripley, Newt, and the wounded Hicks, and what's left of Bishop, are aboard the Saluco? Salaco? Salaco? Uh,
2: yeah, Salaco. Saluco. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they're in
0: hypersleep. When a face hugger hatches and latches onto someone, we don't quite know who, a fire starts because reasons. And the ship uh, loads the hypersleep pods into an escape pod and launches it to the nearest planet. The escape pod crash lands, and what? It, not not a very good escape pod if it just like blindly crash lands. Blindly but...
2: crash lands, and uh, big uh, big thing here kills Newt, kills Hicks, does yes. not kill a face hugger, face hugger which is the size of my arm. Yep. and basically should kill ripley but she's saved but it doesn't kill the spider-like creature
0: well so hicks is impaled by a support beam or something in the in the crash uh new her pod fails and she drowns because they do land in the ocean ripley's pod somehow stays intact even though somehow facehugger got inside i don't okay just don't ask any questions it doesn't don't, make a lick of sense you, you can't don't ask questions about,
2: about the theatrical cut because everything is a leap in logic and makes mm. no sense yeah. everything so, in the uh, in the other cut which we'll talk about later redeems a lot of the things that absolutely do not make sense in this movie yeah. it's just still not a very good movie
0: yeah and so the pod it, it, it crash lands uncontrollably on this all-male prison planet that doubles as a lead foundry because why not and uh Ripley and a second face hugger, we don't really know at this point, are the only survivors, Rip Newt. And uh the face hugger then does it doggy style with a dog that is left on the wreckage of the escape pod for even more reasons. the dog's just there while they're transporting it via crane. I, I don't even I don't even understand. Well, it.
2: it's the one guy's pet.
0: But why do you leave it? Why do you leave it on the ship? I just The the face hanger could have crawled off to the beach and got it somewhere else, but just leaving the dog—I don't know. In a planet full of uh,
2: lice, why have a dog?
3: How does a dog? How does a Rottweiler show up on Fury One Six One? Like when? When we ever heard of like, hey, report to prison on Tuesday? Yes, you can bring a pet. Uh, Prison is off-world, and like he didn't adopt it uh, from a local shelter. Where did he get the dog?
0: I can answer this very clearly or, or simply. There's a cat in the first movie. There you go. So we got a dog in the third one. Don't ask questions.
2: So here's the I highlight mean, of the William Gibson Shut script. up and drink your beer, Blake.
0: I mean, there was a cat in space, so a dog, fine, whatever.
2: The William Gibson script refers to Ripley. Well, now it's a book, which I'm reading by Pat Cadigan. And she's the crazy cat lady as the Russians, air quotes, the, uh, the mm, socialist yes. <laughs> planet yeah, the deems space, her the crazy cat lady, which is terrific. Yeah. But also, yeah, this dog... Not in the assembly cut, so it it he's the dog is a reshoot. They had to yeah. they had to have the alien pop out of something, so it's a it's, a dog. it's yeah. a dog,
0: yeah. The movie then takes a break to introduce us to a generic prison setting, uh, with all the prisoners sounding British except for the black ones. That feels racist, and it uh, it also uh, kind of introduces us to this whole like prison culture they've got going on there, which is some kind of weird religious thing. And yes, they do have that lice problem, so all their heads are shaved, so all the pasty white British guys look alike. It's great. Makes the movie real easy to follow. And uh, anyway, once conscious, Ripley plays the xenomorph version of the pronoun game and demands to inspect the wreckage because she fears a cholera outbreak is possible. This might be the dumbest part of the movie. Why wouldn't she just say, man, we got to be really careful with those uh, bodies in the wreckage. There might be a killer alien on it. Like That just seems like like, right off the bat something you might want to mention.
2: We should scan all the bodies with the scanning device I use in 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They
0: have the ability to tell if there's aliens in the bodies or not. Like, Why would you do it? And zero reason for her not to say hey, there might be something dangerous on there. Although the only reason that she knows is because she sees a little bit of acid burn on Newt's uh, hypersleep chamber. So she's maybe not sure, but that's pretty fucking damning based I, on what we know.
2: This is one of my most like, it's the most egregious thing in this movie. That is not a normal thing to see. That no. should raise alarm bells for everyone.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: The skin, which apparently disappears when everybody else goes to see the dead body, should raise yep. alarm bells.
0: Yep. So it's also worth pointing out that the plot point of having an alien egg on the ship at the end of the movie, quote unquote, which we don't see in Aliens, but we see it in this film, that comes from the original script by Dan O'Bannon. That's how the first movie ended in the original for his original script. It's also
2: it's- physically fucking impossible based upon how Alien 2 ends. Correct. It, it's impossible. There's
0: literally no way to to get to that point without a huge leap in logic. It is the alien
2: equivalent of when the guy keeps asking Colin Quinn if he's touching his ass from across the room in A Night at the Roxbury.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, that's everybody would make that comparison.
2: Just saying, yeah. not possible. Anyway, spatially
0: impossible. And, and maybe even worse. After Ripley mentions that the. The, the issue might be cholera the doctor on the prison planet goes hey cholera hasn't been around for like 200 years and she's like uh i'm still worried and he's like okay i'll be worried too this does not uh, set off any alarm bells for him he just goes no. on with it because he's horny cholera he, has been you
3: trying to bang like, her and that's why he does what he does for yeah, like exactly. 2000 years by this point by the way
2: <laughs> oh
0: is that, I, he's i don't know he says like something i thought he said 200 it doesn't no matter. he There's,
2: does he says 200 but it's like this is the future it's like the year 7000 Hey, there, they
0: still have lice, so I mean, I don't know.
3: There was a cholera outbreak last week, it's not going anywhere. Like, yeah. cholera still exists today, it'll still exist in 7,000. Dirty water is going to be a real problem as this we was colonize actually, space.
2: This was actually just a sci fi fanfic of love in the time of cholera, so it's <laughs> a true story,
0: yeah. So again, Ripley fears that they may have brought an alien with them. A fact the audience already knows from the opening scene, so it's not even really a tension-building thing. It's just like connecting the dots and treading water for 40-something minutes. Uh, anyway, and she confirms this fact, uh, and that the company knows about it, by reactivating the damaged remains of Bishop in one of the movie's more unnecessary scenes. Like,
2: Actually, it's one I of the only like scenes after, I really like. So,
0: Yeah, it's not bad, but it's like is it really necessary? Because we already don't trust Paul Reiser.
2: It's also immensely better in the assembly cut, where it's interspliced with like she's making this discovery as Gallic, and the other two guys are in the tunnels with the with the candles. Yeah. Whereas the candles, in the yeah. in this cut, they die, and then she's talking to him. So he's telling us stuff we already know at this point.
0: Right. Right. Because okay, that Whereas, The assembly cut, it's like a little more
2: sense. You're, you know, there's a little bit of, yeah. Mm -hmm. What just because you mentioned
3: it, what
0: were the candles
3: for?
2: No idea. I have no idea what they do here. Um, Uh, that is a huge problem with the movie. This movie has no point whatsoever. These people make no sense,
0: yeah. Well, I, you know, okay, so my theory on that is one, you do get a cool shot of like the alien moving and it causing the candles to to flicker no no so like i get it, that it was a, a horror weird. movie but yeah but it doesn't make any sense in a future prison plant why these guys have mag lights and stuff like why are they using candles it seems really weird what well, are they doing in there they have
2: flashlights they- but they don't have batteries they they don't until have they batteries do have batteries in. because the plot needs them to have batteries i, I, so. I mean it's
0: it just it, and the whole the whole derelict vibe of the prison it's like it's more vibe than like, you know, logic or whatever, but, which that scene exemplifies so, that.
2: So I read a retrospective 20 years after this came out. I forget what site it was on. Like, hey, you know, like it was in defense of Alien 3 and all about how Alien 3 is much more a vibe than a movie. And you have to appreciate it for its vibe because David Fincher, that's what David Fincher does. He makes his films for yeah. a vibe which is which is okay i guess but this movie literally has no point it's a collection of scenes that make no sense there's no continuity to them you don't yep. know why anybody's in any given place at any given time
0: i think the biggest failure it has is that the prisoners don't have jobs if they yes. had jobs yep. and we and again now we're just ripping off alien again if they were like doing something like the mechanics in alien and they're like hey get down there and do a thing and it was clear why they were in a place at a time doing a thing then it just you, you can kind of accept it and this movie yeah it just kind of happens
2: yes they're just need, they
0: movie these, has to happen
2: these are prisoners that are working in a condemned refinery that serves no purpose it's been closed down they've just asked to stay there
0: they, they keep the pilot light on yeah i mean again don't think too hard about it because yes. none of it makes sense and as you pointed out because we're watching the theatrical version after Bishop's conversation with Ripley, we get the new dog alien starting to kill the prisoners, and then, then at this point, Ripley has to come clean about the nature of the alien. She convinces the prisoners to help her kill the beast, and is spared by the alien in a dramatic fashion during one of the confrontations with the creature, which gives us that iconic shot. It's which is this a point,
2: which is a badass scene. It, it is pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool.
0: Yeah, and at this point, Ripley becomes aware that she's uh carrying the queen alien embryo because after that after that ambush where she's spared she gets scanned and like why didn't she get scanned right away at uh, whatever because again uh, there was a there was a facehugger and only one person's alive so uh, you know, somebody's got to be carrying it
2: and and hicks Although- clearly wasn't carrying it because he was impaled and by the yeah. way folks he was supposed to be carrying it but michael bean was very angry that they had well, killed off his character with yeah. so, so, yeah, so like, fun, piss so, off. Fun,
0: so fun fact about that um they had already decided that he was going to be dead at that point and they created the mock-up of him uh with impaled but oops, I can't think of the producer uh I think it was one of the de Rentis guys or something like that
2: uh yeah one he, of the de laurentiss I thought came to him
0: because yeah, he totally. saw he saw the mock-up said hey man looks like they got an alien coming out of you and he got all upset but it wasn't it was the one for the impaling so then because of that misunderstanding because he never never got it cleared up he refused to let them use his lightness um, and then i did confirm that i heard it right on that uh, documentary that they did come back to him and say well hey can we use your picture uh in the movie uh when they show the headshots can we use your image for that he said yeah sure and he goes, they paid me more for that than they did for the first
2: movie. And that's that's nuts. even like uh, another like of how ridiculously lazy and slapdash the theatrical cut is. And they show like little video game, like 8-bit images of Newt and, and Hicks and that's not yeah. in the assembly cut at all. That's just like, oh well, what do we do? We should put their pictures on the screen. Yeah, it's something. So I- stupid. Ugh.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so after she finds out she's carrying the queen and dedu- deduces that's why she was spared. Initially, she has to be killed, but then agrees to use her newfound invulnerability to help kill the dog alien. They lure the alien into the lead foundry and kill it with molten lead and water just in time for the wild Yutani company, Yutani, wild Yutani. Yeah.
2: How about the only Asian guy in any of these movies just looking like the guitarist for an eighties band?
0: Yeah, what a weird costume! That those what guys
2: what is that guy wearing? What's uh, I mean, going on? He was, on? He's,
3: he's he was definitely like... the guitarist in Devo, and he's fantastic. I love. He that walks outfit,
2: in. He looks at. He looks at Dell from Wayne's World Two, and he's like, "Whip it into space, shape it up." Like, <laughs> right? He's wearing I mean,
0: like a hazmat suit, but with no mask.
3: Yeah, at what part? At what point in the future do scientists go from? The white coat, which has been a classic look for several hundred years now, to all plastic suits. When is that happening? Yeah, it felt it
2: like they all should have entered to the safety dance. Well, I was when they were
3: walking, <laughs> and you kind of see them like, like you don't have a, a good shot of them. You're like, okay, we have the the space marines in their xenomorph proof suits, right? They're re- like, yeah, they're cool. wearing
2: those like suits that like dog police dog trainers wear.
0: <laughs> it, remi- it
3: reminded me of the uh the, the benevolent aliens in fifth element you know the the big <laughs> yeah. but then but then i see it like these like billowing like capes coming off of other people and like what is that like what are those guys and then they get there and it's like oh he's not a it's, it's not like a cool duster on a on a space gunfighter it's the weird yep. it's the weird yep. doctor scientist uniform I,
2: like can we please just talk about the guy with the fucking 1960s video camera <laughs>
3: Climb he climb up the fence to like get a good shot of Rodney King getting beat. Like,
2: so the alien movies oh, always dude. have like a very checkered like technology perspective because they're just you know taking a guess. But 1993, we had video cameras that were not gigantic and looked. That like were they were smaller than that. <laughs> they were from 1930. <laughs> So. I, I took I'm a smaller assuming,
0: camcorder
3: on vacation to DC when I was that age.
0: I'm assuming it had some sort of like multi, multi spectrum abilities or something. I don't know. Uh, so, anyway, so they kill the alien just in time for the company crew to arrive. Uh, and Bishop, too, tries to talk Ripley into letting the company help her by removing the queen embryo. But Ripley rightfully doesn't trust him and throws herself into a blast furnace just as the baby queen bursts from her chest killing them both and i think it's cool you knock it i like the fact that it comes out and she hangs on to it it's and, it's and fine takes it with her
2: but it's not as good as the alien not popping out
0: uh, yeah i mean I, I i think it's one of those that's cooler when it does it doesn't have to make as much sense
2: it's just cooler but it would I, be I, cooler if it was a queen alien which it's not,
0: yeah. Which is the biggest disappointment of that scene yeah. is that again in a movie that doesn't give us enough stuff new. Here was the opportunity because in the promotional art, the graphic is of a little like little uh, you know alien larva or whatever, and it's got the queen's crest. It's got the the, the, yes. the bigger
2: headpiece, and that's not in we, the movie at all.
0: It's not in the movie at all, and I think it also should have been like biting her hands, like it should have been,
2: uh, or digging into her more. It should have worn the fucking top hat from Spaceballs. It that would have also exactly worked exactly
0: like the spaceballs alien. It did. I think I saw the rod, you know, too. But it, you know, anyway. All right. So that that's the movie, folks. Alien three. Uh, let's give this some beer ratings. I'm going to start with you, Bling Blake. How many beers for Alien three? I I think I have to go all the way
3: to five beers on this. It's not six. Okay. It's not that bad. I think there are. There's at least one enjoyment beer out of those five but ultimately like man i watched this on it on an airplane two airplanes uh i almost left my ipad on one of them i'll we can tell that story
2: later i think I you were so Twitter. disgusted by alien three you I just, like, left,
3: just left it i was like i, mean, I couldn't reasonable? get i couldn't get to the delta sky club to drink alcohol fast enough at 7 a.m in atlanta it, yeah it's i think it's five beers it's a minimum of three, maybe four pain beers. Uh, it's a slog. It's it's too long. It's too boring. Yep. It's too dark. Uh, it's just like you need the beers to get through it. So it's very,
0: yeah. very nihilistic. Like there's no hope in this movie.
3: No, it's, it's not is- happy. You don't. There, nope. There's not a, a a moment of comedic relief, which I don't think you have to have in a horror slash you know action thriller flick, but like. This could have used some amount of levity at you, some point
2: yeah you, yeah, you need a little levity when there's a heavy metal rape riff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they
0: start right off with that, too. They're like, as soon as a woman shows up on the planet, they're like, hey, now everybody settle down. Let's not get all extra rapey. I know half of you <laughs> are
3: in here for raping, so no, no, no.
0: <laughs> It's like, ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. So, uh, T Dubs, what's your beer rating?
2: Okay, so I'm not going to be I, obviously. I've been mean to the film already uh, because Aliens and Alien are two of my favorite movies. Particularly Aliens, I've seen that movie so many damn times. I, you know, as a young kid, I used to read Alien novels. Like I was reading novelizations about the Alien property because I loved Alien. I read the comic books. I had the toys. I loved Alien. And this movie does nothing. It it serves no purpose. It does nothing for the character. It actually kind of hurts the character in, in a few ways. But it's... Yeah, four, I have some questions
0: about that later.
2: Four beers, uh, three pain beers, and they are mega pain beers because Aliens is one of the greatest movies ever made. And it was made for way cheaper than this. And it was made with a young director and he found a way. And the studio cut their nose off to spite their face to make a quick buck and they did they didn't do fincher a favor any favors they didn't do sigourney weaver aside from money any favors they didn't do charles stutton or charles dance any favors like fuck fox for what they did with this movie
0: no I, i'm right there with you i think and uh i'll uh i'll draw captain cash into the fold because he seems to have awakened from his hypersleep chamber to join the pod no, no, no. You're mistaken. I, I died on my way back to my home
1: planet. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh I don't I think I'm with Blake. I'm not sure that this is six, but it earned every bit of the five. Mm. The CGI was bad. It is a PS1 cutscene.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty painful. It, it looks like something that's done like in uh you know, some like Adobe product and just like plastered on top of
2: some the shot. Uh, Heavy I Resident Evil things. 1 vibes, like where the, yeah. the zombie turns around and looks like, yeah, don't go through that door.
1: We can yeah. make things out of CGI. So now everything should be made out of CGI. Slow down. It's literally- yeah.
0: Well, and here's the thing. They lost Stan Winston, who had done the creature effects on the previous films and who's a genius they went with some other studios they went with the cgi route because i don't think cgi was really a part of aliens it was way too early it was not yeah so it was, that all, was all miniatures
2: practical. and 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 yeah yeah. background and, and stuff
0: the people they had working on this i think they were better with them um, they were better with the puppet the miniatures they used in this movie for the composite exterior is terrible cgi terrible but that's not my gripe with the film those are all they're not great but A good movie can have bad visual effects if the movie is still good. This movie is not good. And we've hinted at it, we've kind of referred to it, but my biggest gripe with this film is that it's boring. And the reason that it's boring is because the prisoners are generic characters. Visually, you can't tell them apart. You can't tell who actually works there and who's a prisoner because there's no uniforms to speak of. And even if they are, I can't tell them apart, so it doesn't matter all the characters look the same because their heads are shaved which i get and it adds to the vibe of the movie but it's really as a casual observer i don't know who's who i don't know who does what i can't even tell if they have personalities that are different from each other because they sure as shit don't look different
2: here's a good question what's the doctor's name clarence I have, no, I have no idea what his name it is. It starts with a Charles C. Charles Dance. It's Clemens. It's Clemens. Clemens yeah.
3: Yeah. It's Tywin Lannister, and he did a fantastic job before he just
2: got a great do th- yeah. job. Do you think he shit his pants in this movie, too, when he does? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Probably. Probably. Um, he didn't shit his pants in Game of Thrones. He was sitting on the toilet with his pants down. He just... Oh, tunnel yeah. yeah. Well, well I,
0: I do think he has the best shit. role of all the uh, the prisoners because you do almost care about him, and he does spend the most time with Ripley, so you do get a little bit of a relationship there, which is fine. But other than that, uh, yeah, and those guys kind of carry the middle part of the movie, or they're supposed to, and it just doesn't work. That whole aspect of the film does not work. I will that's always why care about Charles.
2: Always. Oh, well,
0: okay. I mean, and they're good performances too. The actors aren't bad. It's just, it's just, it's just a big mushy nonsense mess in the middle. And again, that's why it's four pain beers, because after the highs of aliens, this was a huge letdown. So anyway, we've covered our beer ratings. We've covered the plot. So let's take a break here and hear from our bald-headed brother from another mother over at the Double Turn Podcast.
2: And don't forget to check out our home base at WobamEntertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
0: Okay, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are still talking about Alien 3, and I have a few questions for the panel I mean, we've kind of covered our general impressions, so I'm not even going to go there right now. I'm going to go straight to this. Are you surprised Fincher's career survived this?
2: Dubs, I will say no. Uh, I mentioned earlier that he nearly quit film after this, and from what I understand, Sigourney Weaver and one of the producers, I think it was John Landau, basically went to bat for him, which is how he got seven at New Line. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the documentary wreckage and rage which is free on youtube and i don't know where it originated because i watched my alien anthology version of the film and that documentary is not on there
0: i think it might be off a dvd release okay
2: which i used to have alien quadrilogy and i don't remember if it was on there but it's not um, i think it's
0: like on the standalone dvd release I could the, be wrong. the
2: universal thing in that documentary is that everybody thought he was a genius yeah they they were shocked that a first time director had such an incredible eye they were shocked at the way he was using the camera they were shocked at how effective he was in creating setups and the set and the other so no and i'm not even the biggest david fincher fan uh, obviously uh, we did fight club on the pod and uh, not my favorite yep. movie but it's impossible to deny his talent as a filmmaker yeah yep. he's definitely so, got a no. style yeah yeah uh and honestly, I, I just wish it it had this would have been his third movie, right? And then they yeah. would have just let him do his thing. Let him cook. And it would have helped the movie tremendously because one thing we've come to realize as movie fans is that there's very few producers outside of Kevin Feige and some others, obviously this John Landau guy and and that aren't just Money protectors and kind of assholes.
0: Yeah. Well, especially when you get to like a known IP, the the chance of you coming across the guy that gets much higher, right?
2: Yes. You run run into
0: more of those John Peters types.
2: Hollywood is the old boys club. And there's a lot of people in high positions of creative power who are kind of idiots. And this movie just reeks of like, why? Why? Why'd this movie happen?
1: Yeah. You know what would have fixed it? a giant spider in the third act. Well, wow. a polar bear? Say.
2: What if it was a what if it was a polar bear Oh, alien? a
1: polar bear <laughs> alien? Can you imagine how right? much havoc that would that's wreak? Holy def- shit.
0: Definitely the most vicious hunter in the animal space kingdom. animal kingdom.
3: No. Yeah, really, so so no, r- Trumpzilla, r- r- you are I'm sorry. You r- are you are forgetting how terrifying a, a xenomorph orca would be.
2: Ah, uh,
0: that's true. Zorca? Yeah.
2: I'd be more scared of a xenomorph ray if we're talking about aquatic xenomorphs. Hey, ray man. from Damned River.
0: Oh,
3: I thought you meant like like a ray, like a like, like a skate. Like a, yeah, like a skate. Like yeah. like like yeah. what what killed uh, 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 the crocodile hunter? Right, like that. That is no, a terrifying
2: yeah. creature. Yeah, right. yeah. But a xenomorph ray fillet from Ninja Turtles. That's also yeah. a terrifying. Okay. thought. Listen,
1: I know exactly how deep my second tongue is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. So does Troncella. Oh. oh, man. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, real quick here, though, Captain Cash. Are you su- <laughs> surprised that Fincher's career survived this dud? This was a pretty epic fuck-up, which it is
1: not his fault. No, it's not on him at all. But you do get the sense he is the one who would have been scapegoated. For sure. The new guy, right? So, yeah. So, I think, yes, it is a bit of a miracle because any other person – does not recover from this. Yeah. Yeah. But Future is yeah. really talented. So he managed to weather it. And that in and of itself
2: is the miracle. Yeah. You know what who about didn't you, recover from it? Oh. Rennie Harlan. Who, yeah. No, really. He went on to wreck Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay and then just went down into a pit of mediocrity.
1: Hickory so, right? Duck. That movie bombed.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's probably the big loser here. He probably should have stuck this out. Might have helped his career in the end. Because uh, things were still on a slightly different trajectory when he was involved. Uh, what about you, Boeing? Are you surprised that uh, Mr. Fincher managed to survive this to get Seven, Fight Club, the social network, and so forth?
3: No, no, I, I am not surprised at all um you know i think we've already all agreed that he was forced to make chicken salad here and uh the, the failings of this movie are not because of the director and i think what was working in his favor is that at this point in time he had something like 50 to 60 music videos with some of mm-hmm. including some of the like the best, most well known and well-liked artists at the time. I mean, Janie's got a gun is a is awesome, yep. right? Yep. Uh, that they probably probably um, came after.
0: But, like, but he worked with he worked with Michael Jackson too. Michael he, Jackson, Sting, Paula Abdul. He like, done commercials for Nike and Coca-Cola. Right. Like he was he was getting major, major music video commercial work.
3: So I, I think that pedigree, like, like that history alone earned him a, a continued shot. Like I think there's enough producers out there and people yeah. that work in the industry that were like, look, there's, there's, we know this guy and there's no way that this is all his fault. Like he, that's impossible. Right. And yeah. like, they believe when he told his story. So,
0: and let's be honest, like I'm going to say this. I'm firmly in your camp, Captain Cash, and I'm going to go full glass half empty on it. I am surprised because he's a young guy He's a commercial guy. He's a music video guy. This movie bombs. It's kind of a mess. Nobody's happy with it. Somebody's going to take the fall. Right. And I've seen guys take their careers for less because at the end of the day, this movie is still at the time, the highest grossing of the aliens films.
2: It was not. We, no, it was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
0: It did better than alien. And, um, you know and it was kind of a mess i mean i I, I, but I don't think it's enough to get a director credit per se uh so without knowing that sigourney weaver and the producers or at least a producer had pulled for him i would say this could have been fatal
2: and okay he might so- have
0: gone he, he might have had to go back to commercials and and music videos but he didn't he was able to go like just a couple years later right into seven. seven yeah so here's well, he what i'll kept say.
3: doing music videos yeah yeah
0: but, but yeah i'm still shocked though because i'll add this not only did the movie tank but he also kind of walked away from it and that can sometimes he, get he you labeled as a problem yeah. you know
3: well,
0: yes yeah but so, it also so he didn't tank
2: that bad but here's the parallel this is the biggest parallel that i can think of josh trank's fan fan four stick josh trank young up-and-coming director Basically disavowed his own film, kicked off set, tons of reshoots. But the one thing that's different, because even though I don't like this movie, the movie is, is extraordinary to look at for the most part. The sets are incredible. The acting, for the most part, is incredible. And the seams are not nearly as apparent as something like *Fan Stick*. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. So, like,
2: it's still a competently made film. It's just sort of a pointless film, and that's why it's a bad movie.
0: It's not a terrible film. It's just a terrible alien film.
2: Yes. I feel like if this
0: had just been a space prison, Glenn Geary, Glenn Ross, all male something or other with that vibe and and the sets and all that, it would have been fine. It would have been boring. It would have made no money, but the critics might have loved it. But the yeah, fact that they just try a, to work this as an alien film following up aliens, it fails at that completely. And that's not Fincher's fault.
2: Just but a again, classic I'm, fuckery, right? Definitely a not fucker. a
0: fuckeroo. No, it's, <laughs> this is definitely a fuckery. Um, all right, so... And maybe the more important question here is are you surprised that this movie didn't kill the franchise, Captain Cash?
1: Am I surprised that it didn't kill the franchise? Now, no, because they never let anything die. Is it even the closest form of a recognizable IP? Then no, it lives. Uh, should yeah. it have killed the franchise? Maybe. Because yeah. I feel like we're in a unique position with this, where every following film somehow gets worse.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you, Bling? Are you surprised this wasn't the last Alien film we got? No. uh, And and again, like I I don't think that
3: this was bad enough at the time and maybe even today to not green light the next project like like we're we're sitting here talking about a movie being so bad that it got 50 50 reviews and it was so bad and it almost tripled its budget like. It, it, it's not a banger. I think it's absolutely okay. a disappointment. I don't think it's a, a great movie, you know, for all the things we've been saying for this entire podcast, but like, like just objectively looking at it, you go, uh oh, it wasn't that bad. Like we all still took a hundred million dollar payday on it. And I don't know what the marketing was, how much we spent on it. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know the answers to those questions. So maybe, maybe we spent a hundred million dollars. It's a total wash, but on the the video rentals and the toys alone, you keep you keep hammering this franchise. And we it's not like Sigourney Weaver's gonna become not attractive or not amazing on the next run. Um, I think we learn like let's go back to two and get some good cast members to actually be in this thing, give them something to do. Uh, and there's absolutely enough notes to to continue this thing going. So
0: that's you know, no, no fair enough. What do you say, T Dubs?
2: Well, I texted you guys about this this week, and there's a few franchises that I hold very dear that there was no need for more than two movies. This is one of them, and Terminator is one of them. The difference being, I suppose, is that this came six years after Aliens, which is a perfect film, and then five years later they released Resurrection, which is... Just like admitting defeat, I think. Like that movie is fun in spots, but it, it is not up to the quality, and we're gonna talk about it next week, so we'll get there. But yeah, uh of Alien or Aliens.
0: Well, it definitely solves a lot of the problems that this movie had, but sometimes in the worst way possible.
2: It just yeah, uh, it reeks of like I don't know, we'll we'll get there, but it, it yeah, just reeks, yeah, but... it feels cheap, which the alien franchise should should not yeah. feel. Yeah. Um. I wish this movie didn't exist. I mean, I can't say that I. I, I totally re- regret it exists because I mean, I saw it with my dad. I have fond memories of seeing it, and I I enjoyed it then. And, but it this movie serves no purpose. Um, Ripley is the hero of Aliens. Why yeah, does Terminator two work? Because the Terminator has something. It it totally upends what what Terminator is. Right. Like he's the bad guy. He's the good guy. And as the good guy, he has a completely different journey. Alien, she's a survivor. Aliens, she's a warrior. And she becomes basically a surrogate mother. This movie cuts all of it out.
0: Yeah, You're
2: not continuing her journey. So yeah, I am surprised it didn't kill the series because then you get to Resurrection and it's just like she doesn't fucking matter. She's just yeah,
0: it's uh, it's not even Ripley at that point, really. No, I just um, yeah. Uh, so so, no, you hit on something there that's very important, and this is why I am personally surprised. In like my naive heart, I am surprised this didn't kill the franchise for two reasons. One, it appears that Fox didn't have any ideas for this movie, and no one could come up with a good idea. So I mean, they spent, some of the scripts yeah, are better than others. They spent of them are six terrible.
2: years not making ideas.
0: Yeah, they couldn't come up with anything. And again, some of the stuff was okay. Some of it wasn't. Some of it ended up being pitch black. But the other thing that this movie fails at is it takes the hero from the first two movies. And let's be very clear here. Ripley's character in Alien was originally written for a man. And they did one of the raddest things possible. They gender swapped her and didn't change any of the dialogue which is amazing. It just goes to show you that it doesn't matter the gender of a character. Like any character can do anything in these kinds of movies. And like, that was, that was a big shock for Hollywood at the time in the action sci-fi genre. And that was great. And then she becomes the absolute action hero in the second movie.
2: Yes. While and, still having and, an
0: emotional arc and being the surrogate mother. And if you don't, which again,
2: and guess who that influenced Sarah fucking Connor. Yeah, Ripley from Aliens very much influences Sarah Connor and Terminator 2 Which of course James Cameron there's link, but there's a, a lot of parallels there. The, the for badass sure, yeah. female warrior, and it's it's no mistake. Like when AFI released their top fifty heroes and villains, and this was a few years back, Ripley was in the top five because she's an incredible character.
0: Yep, yep, she is. And so this movie completely undoes her arc and turns into a moron and it just it's just it's just painful that not only regresses. a moron
2: but one that she regresses in a number of ways because yeah. you're going to ask about how unnecessary the uh the attempted sexual assault was but she's not fiercely independent and you know in aliens she overcomes situations that these colonial marines couldn't fathom overcoming she's yep. the ace in the hole In this movie, she's totally codependent on the help of others, and it makes her almost weaker than she was in the first film.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. I talked a lot about this movie revisits themes from the first film, but here's one of the things they revisit, they don't revisit, that is, from the second film, when they should have, is that how she warns the people on the colony, she's very upfront about what they're facing. That's like, priority number one is making sure everyone understands the level of danger they're in and what they're facing she's very very forward about that and proactive in this movie she plays the alien pronoun game like and it makes no
2: sense yeah
0: it makes no sense based on her character and it just ends up
2: recycling the scenes with her and paul riser later like oh no no you can't trust them not maybe even not recycling those scenes but like she's convincing 85 like you can't trust them he's like yeah of course i can i'm not a convict like they are
0: it's it's just it's, just like, uh, it's not the, the whole... same rip it's just not the same ripley and it's and it and, and definitely not for the better so yeah i'm surprised because ripley's the headliner the fact that they didn't they they kind of ruined that character in this movie man that uh, i'm surprised they were able to recover and to say that they recovered is a bit of a stretch not to mention she get, was paid get one a shitload movie. to do this movie every and sequel she got gets points. worse
2: Yes, yeah. every sequel gets progressively worse. Yeah. Although, yeah. you know, we'll get to Prometheus and old, uh, old, every sequel wizard. gets old worse. Thunder Swiss doesn't hate that as much as you.
0: Guys well, well here's the thing about it. That, that movie definitely falls into the same category of like, it looks great and there's some really yeah. interesting setups and stuff. Yeah. But ultimately, it's so stupid, it doesn't matter. But I will add this and it's not my recommendation, but I mentioned earlier that the alien uh, egg on the ship at the end, well, in this movie, it's in the beginning, but you would assume it's there from the end of Aliens. That comes from the original Star Beast script by Dan O'Bannon. A lot of the stuff in Prometheus also comes from that script. So I definitely recommend that to the listeners and to you guys on the pod before we do the Prometheus episode. Hey, definitely read that Star Beast script because – it's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff they don't put in Alien, and some of that stuff shows up in Prometheus. Well, and it's a good read.
2: No offense to Dan O'Bannon, but there was a reason they didn't do that script when they did it. Well,
0: it was it was it was too big, I think, <laughs> too big and too complex.
2: Because Prometheus doesn't make any sense. But well,
0: really... <laughs> no, trust me, it's it's more just some of the uh, some of the visuals and some of the the. It's not so much the same story. They're just Anyway, it's worth a read. Check it out. But okay, so here's a general question. The Thunderous Wizard and I have already discussed this. So I'm going to ask Bling and Cash first here. Do you guys know where that second face hugger came from? Because we get two alien embryos in this film. One in the dog or ox and one in Ripley. Common alien biological knowledge says each hugger is a one-off. How did we get two embryos out of one face hugger? Where did that second face hugger on the grassy knoll come from?
1: This should have been it was part a, of it was a twin trigger. egg. It was a twin egg. You know, sometimes when you like you crack an omelet and there are two yolks, double yeah. yolks, double yolks, double yolk. Yoke. Double, okay. double, yoke, double face
2: huggers, double yeah.
0: huggers. All right, wait, wait, do you have any thought? Did that bother you at all, Boyne? I he has,
2: he has no idea that face huggers are like worker bees. <laughs>
3: I, it's exactly what I was going to say. I had no clue that they were worker bees and that they only get one sting. I thought for sure it could have been the same okay. one. So, yeah. no, so, obviously okay. not. I didn't think so, thought.
0: Yeah. So, I'm a giant nerd, right? And I'm like, w- I've watched this movie multiple times, you know, as a youth. And then I didn't go to, see it in theaters, but I definitely saw it on, on a video. Um, and I was always like, what the fuck? How, how are we getting double face hugger action here? There's one egg, one face hugger. That means one alien. Well, fun fact, and I only found this out years later, that in the assembly cut, there is a shot. Uh, I believe it's after they they find the the ox dead because that's that's an ox, not a the, dog, yeah, in that version. The
2: ox is dead. They're bringing him back to like the, the slaughterhouse or the slaughterhouse plant. because yeah. they're gonna you know make him for. You know, dinner. Yeah, use the whatever. meat. Hey, Ox
3: yeah. burgers, yeah, yeah.
2: Because yeah. basically, delicious. like the oxes do a lot of the heavy work in the assembly cut. That you know, they're they're given oxes, but also they're running out of oxes because this isn't a functioning facility.
3: It's also the why.
0: So anyway,
3: why is animal husbandry existing in space for labor? I, like that's. I don't
0: like, know. That. Well, I think that goes back to the original version of this script where they were monks in a wooden spaceship We can thing. travel so, at the speed of light no, in no, this but, world. No, what is but, happening? No, but the monks on the original ship, the wooden ship, and the original version of what became the final ship, they were Luddites. They were basically fucking space Amish. Can,
2: can we just talk for a minute? If you were a Fox executive and you bring in this dude from New Zealand to talk about Alien, which is a very valuable IP, and he goes, I got this. Space, planet. It's made of wood. Yeah. Wouldn't you just be like, get the fuck out of my office?
0: And, and you know what their fucking complaint about it was? Wasn't that it's space Amish? That it's like, well, that sounds too
2: expensive. <laughs> the, nobody asks. Like, wait, wood? What? what do you mean wood? You're supposed you know, to have anyway. like fucking staircases and yeah. like levels and shit.
0: I, 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 so anyway, in the scene with the ox, the guy picks up the face hugger that got the ox. Okay, and it yeah. is a royal face hugger. It's bigger than the ones we saw in the previous two films. It's got webbed uh, legs, so it's got like bat wings between its toes, and it's bigger and uglier looking. And the guy's just like, "What the hell is this thing?" Which should have been an immediate red flag because those things just look like absolute like murder
2: nightmare fuel. Mur- yeah, just, yeah,
0: there's your there's your uh, spider in the third act, Captain Cash, but. We don't get that in the theatrical cut. And we definitely don't see that in that opening credit scene where the face hugger is prowling on the escape pod or whatever, or scrambling around on the uh, Seleco. And and by the way, that's just a regular face hugger. So anyway, so real quickly, here's the thing. If you read the extended universe stuff, which is a thing. And they were trying to reference it in the film. The Royal face hugger is a twofer. It does one queen and one warrior. Or regular you just, alien, not you a one. Spent
3: so much time talking that I was able to get a straw hat, and all you had to say was, "You're right, Bling."
0: It's a double Yeah, yeah. 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 It. Turns it's out a, I was right.
3: Turns out I was right.
0: So, but but Google the Google Royal Face Hugger, and you will see a still from the assembly cut with the dude holding it. And, and I believe cool.
2: there were Royal Face Huggers in the toys. Oh, How about sure. no? I'm not looking that up. You, uh, no, they definitely have a scary. Neca.
0: They definitely have a Neca version of them. When
2: you watch the assembly cut, you can't tell. The yeah, difference. it's not
0: super. They don't. They don't emphasize it enough, in my opinion. Although, because that's a cool thing from the lore to introduce, and again, that would have yeah. been something new. Well, and it makes doesn't.
2: sense because otherwise, it's just totally random, right? Yep.
0: There's a there's a phantom second face hooker. Yeah. All right, sorry, I nerded out there for a second. So let's talk about something really fun. How unnecessary was the attempted rape scene.
2: I've already commented, and I oh. said very. Yeah. At the very least, we don't need the hard rock and roll riff, which is Wait, like... What the fuck oh, is that? He's coming in hot.
0: Oh, boy. It's raping
2: time. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> and it, zoom in on the belt rip. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. No, thank that, you. That,
0: I will say, right there, that's rookie David Fincher going back to his music video roots in the worst possible well,
2: way. you heard in the the documentary right how graphic and awful the autopsy of Newt was that yes. people were like getting violently ill and they're like we, we can't keep this in the movie Yeah,
0: <laughs> so don't worry we, maybe we, that
2: we, was their compromise we'll keep we, this
0: we get that in Alien Covenant don't worry Uh, anyway I, I you know what the less we say about that scene the better but Captain Cash please chime in
1: I believe that the Alien films are have strong themes of sexual violence. Yes. And rape. So Mm -hmm. while I do believe that there is space for such a scene in an alien film, again, the themes being what they are, I do not believe the way in which this particular scene was shot was necessary.
0: Nope. Nope. Yep. I mean, they might as well cut like back in black or something. Like it was weirdly celebratory. But here's the thing. I actually think the scene would work in the movie if Ripley defends herself and kicks their asses. Because that's, the Ripley, that's yes. the Ripley we know that she has to be coming and white knighted by the guy from Rudy.
2: It's like, well, that just feels weak. Don't now- shortchange Charles S. Dutton. Yeah, please. don't just let the guy
3: from Rudy. But don't you think that, that at this point in the story, again, because we're just writing on the fly, so I assume we're shooting chronologically at this point because they're making it up the stories they go uh, as, along don't
0: as close as they can sure yeah don't i think the scenes still were moving in flux even in their order so i'm sure but don't a they circle. don't they need
3: to establish that that dylan is is yes. a friend because that's a zero
0: moment yes at this
3: point in time all we've heard from him is him being like you don't want to know me lady i'm a murderer and raper of women and so I don't know why he's reformed like that. He's
0: reformed though. But you don't yes. really, but you don't really know
3: that. Like you, you kind of do that. because, because okay, so, in the
0: opening scene, he, he's obviously the moral compass. He's obviously one of the converted and he's trying to keep everybody else. He's trying to keep everybody else on the right path. But yeah. Because has, no, no morality, is.
2: no morality preaching holy men have ever done anything offensive to women. Assembly cut. Right. Here's two big distinctive points. One, Dylan, frequently is the one leading prayer. He's essentially the prisoner that is the trusted prisoner in command by 85 and, uh, you know, surly bald fellow. Aaron? Is he Aaron? Aaron is 85.
3: Oh, that's 85. Okay.
2: And do you remember the scene where he was like, I had to find (laughs) brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass. (laughs) Well, the xenomorph wouldn't go on stage that night.
3: It'd be better if he did the whole movie in the Dell voice. Yeah, yeah. We, I, if he's gonna be eighty five, at least do the Dell voice for us the entire
0: time. I, I just wish they would have put the prison guys in a wild and utani, you know, uh, uniform of some sort. Yeah. So, like anyways, So, uh.
2: Dylan Charles S. Dutton, frequently like leads the group in prayer as these tragedies are happening, and he's very yeah. clearly the person that is leading the, these wayward men, and they are. Um, a lot of them are recovering. Yeah. but Well, and again, uh, it
0: speaks back to the original version of the monk script, yeah. where where they are religious, it's a religious sect, and they view the alien as the devil. Yes. So they feel like they're being challenged and tested, you know, spiritually by the devil.
2: So this doesn't make any of... sense
0: in that script, and it definitely doesn't make sense when it bleeds into this one.
2: Well, it makes more sense in this one because with the backstory, they all know they're there to die, but we'll get there because I'll bring that up later. But in this case, right? Like, so you get Colt McElhaney is the guy who's going to rape Ripley. And there's another guy that is going to assault Ripley. And in the assembly cut, they set the trap in the tunnels with the fire, but they catch the xenomorph. They catch him or it. And the reason they're able to catch it. Ripley finds herself after this horrific assault has happened between Colt McElhaney and another one of the perpetrators of this violent assault. And Colt McElhaney sacrifices himself to save everyone else. He very distinctly looks at Ripley and saves them, atoning for the sins he has made. So, cutting that stuff out of the movie, so th- makes, I don't like it. It the- makes
0: even less sense to leave the sexual yeah. assault in, then, right?
2: Yes. Uh-huh. I mean
0: not not aside from the damage it does to Ripley's character cuz it's lame it also doesn't pay off in way. So in, any way. in the uh, assembly
2: I'm... cut like a lot of this stuff pays off. In fact, mm-hmm. the movie's just a lot stronger. Yeah, I sure. would never watch the theatrical cut again. It's like when people talk about Batman versus Superman theatrical versus directors the 30 minutes really does matter. A lot of times you watch a director's cut it's like a a scene here or there or an f bomb and it doesn't matter it very much matters in alien three it's yeah. a much stronger film
0: you know and honestly if you're not going to do more with it like you said in those assembly cutscenes, scenes there's better ways to show that charles dutton charles s dutton is a good guy you don't have to have that scene in the movie so in it's fact, really useless
2: There's scenes and gross prior to him um when he's like you don't want to know me lady." There's a scene before that where he's going in defense of Gallic, the character who, um, in the, in that assembly cut, which let's just spill the beans here, right? They catch the xenomorph and Gallic comes to view it as a vengeful God that is there to do what they've been waiting to happen. They're, they're going to die.
0: It's their reckoning. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So he begins to kill other prisoners and eventually freeze the alien, which then leads to the, them, uh, you know, putting it in the smelting pot.
0: The, the tunneling, the tunnel scene, or um, whatever, the tunnel chase. But
2: yeah. that really matters because this guy goes to bat for this guy who's crazy and like he smells and this, and this and he's like, you know, like he's he's one of us brothers, blah, 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 blah. So there's all these little moments of dialogue in, in a lot of pivotal scenes that really add to the scene.
0: You know and what's really it's weird about- Two
2: hours and 24 minutes, it's like,
0: it's not super long, but here's the weird it's thing. It's not a long
2: movie. It's not. Here's
0: the, here's the weird thing about all this stuff with the assembly cut. It definitely does help with the prisoners, like, like flushing them out and maybe justifying their motivations a little bit better and setting some things up better than the theatrical cut does. But it doesn't solve one of the biggest problems. Uh, none of the scenes that is solves one of the biggest problems that I think the movie has. We don't see the damn alien enough. We've already seen no. aliens yeah, where there's like dozens of them and you get full shots of them and they're like, it's in your face. It's none of that cat and mouse jump scare stuff from the first movie. You just get full on alien and you get that rad fight with the queen where you get to see the size and the scale of the queen completely. It's not quick cuts. It's not flash away. It is full on frontal alien nudity. And this movie doesn't do that at all. So
2: mm-hmm yeah, Are you guys no.
0: shocked by how little we saw the actual creature? Because that just blew my mind. For an Alien movie, not an Alien. I feel like that's always been one of my biggest
3: complaints with the Alien movies in general. Is that you rarely get a real good look at the Xenomorph. And and this, I mean, Alien 3, I think, is probably the, the most guilty of that for sure. And gosh, the, the the full body shots that you did of it, did get of it were so CGI, which I try to forgive it being ninety two, right? I try to like view yeah, it through the lens very
0: early, yes.
3: But it, I feel like even in ninety two, you should have. I think Captain Cash does something similar. Like you, you should have seen it and been like yeah that ain't that ain't good yeah. enough we got to go back to the miniatures and the puppets
0: like well because the puppet looks great in my opinion i like the puppet in this movie the practical yes. alien effect oh. it's it's got a brownish hue to it yeah it the ripley cool. shot is great the teeth the are head, cool the head sh- the head's a little bit different design and like, they like they shy away from showing it like
2: well i, I think don't know that's the problem with movies that when you don't finish principal photography yeah a lot of that shit was done post.
0: Yep. And, and the even in the, the assembly
2: cut, like there's a lot of extra CGI that holy shit, I just wish they had the proper time to do or well, the proper technology. Yeah, to that's do. the thing.
0: You wait like what? When was Starship Troopers? 90, 98? 96. 96. Yeah, so just so just a few years, years later, yeah. that movie, that movie looks really good, except for the space exteriors. But the creature effects in that movie are amazing. They're pretty good com- still compared to Alien Three. It's it just like,
2: like so. I did the Terminator thing, right? Terminator One, One Terminator, uh, Terminator Two. The action is ramped way up. Aliens, yep. the action, and, and two Terminators. Way up. You
0: get two Terminators, right? It's, yeah. it's the standard eighties nineties action movie progression. But the even get higher, you add more of the thing.
2: So Terminator Three, n- not nearly as good. But the action scenes are still upping some sort of ante. Yep. Whereas this yep. one, it, it, it's it's lowering it. It's like, yeah, and it's a
0: brand new Terminator, and you see it completely. They don't yeah. shy away. I'm from not going to
2: go all in. I'm actually not even going to play this hand. I'll just I'll play the next hand. Well, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to be so, less adventurous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is going to make me drink now. <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, and yeah, yes, yeah, so we just we could all agree here the space composite shots are horrible compared to what we've seen in Blade Runner, Terminator 2, Aliens, um, many other movies of that era. At least the composite shots with the matte paintings in the back and miniatures that technology did exist and could look good. It doesn't in this movie.
2: I actually have no problem with the visuals of this movie aside from the CGI alien and the fire at the end which is abysmal
0: that's super bad no e- even the shot the, the the shots of the planet with the two suns and all that it's it's not it's not put together well the seams are
2: glaring i i don't think they're that bad. okay well, the, the fire know. at the end is is that's, that's like uh, straight bad. out of uh sharknado that's yeah. that's how bad it is at the end
0: it, yeah yeah no, it's it is rough so just real quickly here, we've covered a lot of the stuff from the assembly cut, which again is the not director's director's cut of the movie. According to your assessment, T-dubs, that's the only way to watch the movie. Only is, there way. Any, is there anything else from it that we haven't discussed yet that the, the listener should know about?
2: Um, explains the lice a lot more effectively. Uh, the ox. Oh, Oh, more lice. Good. Yeah. Cause you know,
0: that's one of the biggest questions I had because when they said we had a lice problem so we shaved no, the heads. No, it literally that, shows
2: it, yeah. I, well, I didn't have, know, I really didn't have any
0: more questions. That seemed pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I been to elementary school in the 80s.
2: But Ripley washes up ashore and Charles Dance's character basically carries her back. And so you get a a, a sense of the, this desolate place. Mm. And I think it's all just a lot more effective than her just being on the ship with her two dead Hyper sleepmates, and and eighty five actually has more to do, and he's a more fully fleshed out character. But yeah. uh the alien captures the big thing.
0: Yeah, that's but a big I, shift I, in the. In the movie. I'll
2: never watch the theatrical cut again. Yeah. The theatrical cut again. So I haven't seen Alien Three probably since I bought Alien Quadrilogy on DVD. So that was like two thousand one ish and for the pod i watched the assembly cut on blu-ray on the alien anthology and i watched and then the next day i watched the theatrical cut and there's just no reason to watch it there's no well, yeah fair
0: enough uh all righty listener <laughs> i think that takes care of it at least my lingering questions so we need to freshen up our cosmic crowns ahead of the competitive portion of the pod We'll see you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It is finally time for the This Thing Is Really Pissed Off Trivia Challenge. And listener, I am very sad to report that Captain Cash has been captured by a royal face hugger and will not be joining us for the quiz tonight. We wish him well. And tonight, we do have the standard format it is five questions, multiple choice, and you'll be playing for the screen used dummy of Hicks's corpse. Oh, yeah,
3: not I a chest
0: burster, but the beam through his chest.
3: But it's not going to have
0: Bean's face on it, right? Correct, it's just I mean... Hicks. I
2: mean, I don't know.
0: now I think if you get on Cameo, you can probably get Michael Bean to hook you up. I'm just all
2: saying. I'm saying is I would literally look at that model and I'd say, Play for Blood, Johnny Ringo. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> I was just you know, fooling Doc.
0: I don't I know.
2: <laughs> I'd, I'd,
3: I'd still be his Huckleberry,
2: I would be Valcomer's Huckleberry till the end of time. Oh. If anyone wants to write a fan fiction about that.
0: That's a slash fic, and yes. Yeah. Definitely. You and the Iceman. All right. Tonight's chime-ins are, hey, fuckface, and what the hell is wrong with the candles or any of the pod standards? Good luck, gentlemen. Question number one. David Fincher was well-known for his music video work in the 80s and 90s. Which of these artists did he work with? A. Boingo Boingo. B, Rick Springfield, C, Cher, or D, Skinny Puppy? Hey, fuck face. That would be Bling. I'm going to go with Rick Springfield. B, Rick Springfield. That is correct. Yes. That is one point for Dr. Bling. Let's get on to question number two. A significant amount of money was spent on sets that were never used Due to the ever changing script for Alien 3, how much money was wasted on the unused sets? Was it A, $2 million, B, $5 million, C, $7 million, or D, $12 million? I'm going to shoot. That's bling again. What was B, $5 million? Yes, it was A, 2 million, B, 5 million, C, 7 million, or D, 12 million. I think,
3: man, would you go B twice in a row? That'd be a really tricksy teacher move. I'm going to go with B, $5 million.
0: $5 million is incorrect. The Thunderous Wizard, can you
2: steal? Uh, Farts and Xenomorph Tarts. Oh. I'm going with my favorite number, $7 million.
0: It was $7 million. That's more than 10% of the movie's budget. I talked myself out of it. Well done. Well done, Dubs.
2: Could yeah. you imagine just shooting scenes on sets that you would never use and well, not no, knowing th- what the hell the purpose was? Because they uh, yeah. did that a lot on this movie, and it's there's just, there's a lot of a big sets,
3: you. right? Yes, like big sets, like like yeah. things where they're where they're all sitting around in like the the two circles. Like remember that? There's like a two story deal. Like the one dude's just up top, like hanging out. Yeah, okay. very nineties. Yeah. Very nineties. Very nineties. Very chilling, na- very, chilling, very music video esque. Yeah, right? chilling like, from
0: the elevated position. Yeah, it's like I Derek mean, Zoolander in the mine. And this was shot. Again, in Pinewood Studios, this was shot in the James Bond stage. So this is not a cheap place to to construct sets and shoot a movie. This was serious business. All right, well, so we've got a tie, folks. As we head into question number three, the crane that lifts the escape pod from the water was a miniature built uh, in part with bits and pieces from a model kit for what Star Wars vehicle? Was it, A, a TIE fighter? B, the Millennium Falcon, C, a Star Destroyer, or D, an X-Wing? I, I guess I will shoot. The board is yours, Bling.
3: I was really hoping you were going to say at-at at some point in that list. Mm-hmm. and I was ready to go. Uh, so I'm going to go with the X-Wing,
2: D.
0: D, an X-Wing. That is Correct.
2: yeah Yeah, i was gonna go star destroyer i was just slow playing it because i wanted him to like limit my options i
3: was i was thinking that it had like a like a a, uh elongated shape as i'm making this hand gesture i'm glad that i'm glad our Mm -hmm. listeners can't see that um no
0: yep
2: well actually this is the first week we're doing video so
3: oh great perfect
0: (laughs) (laughs) nailed it i should have cleaned up my my studio better it's all good my command center yeah, you got make sure you put the butt plug away next time. But no, I uh, I have to admit, my guess would have been the Millennium Falcon or the Star Destroyer, just because they seem like they would have the most pieces, a lot of, a lot of little bits and parts and whatnots on the exteriors of those that could be used for stuff. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's actually better reasoning. The X-wing does have more long. Sections that could be used in a crane. That's that's, that's some solid reasoning. A lot of there.
2: phallic sections based on. Yeah. <laughs> like lots of dicks. Hey, <laughs> lots know- of dicks. Yeah. Well, um, but okay. It's, so, so, right. it's right next to me.
0: Yeah, there you go. And that is uh, two points for Blaine Blake. You've got the lead, sir. And let's step into question number four. The 3D image of the face hugger attached to the woman's face in the opening of the film uses a face cast from a famous actress just not the one in this film whose face cast was it was it a meryl streep was it b jamie lee curtis c julia roberts or d linda
2: hamilton hearts and tarts going with the streeper i'm gonna face cast somebody it's the streeper
0: thunderous wizard you are 100 correct apparently by the time they decided to use that scene or whatever it was too late to get a face cast of sigourney weaver so they just happened to have one of meryl streep for i don't know what so they used it
2: linda hamilton would have sued like michael Bean suits <laughs> like, she would no, have no. Sued. Yeah, roberts
3: no. was too young jamie lee could have been it but yeah, yeah.
2: streepers just, like you know what don't care I'm i think they rocking. had
0: a i think they had it from a previous film like i said but it was already already, already
2: becomes her is my guess oh it was
3: it was not in a producer's nightstand drawer
0: that's all we know okay well that gives us a two to two tie heading into the final question folks we have ourselves a contest here let's see who can come out on top question number five Alien 3 was inexplicably nominated for a Best Visual Effects Oscar. What film took home the trophy that year? Was it A, Batman Returns? Was it B, Death Becomes Her? Was it C, Bram Stoker's Dracula? Or D, The Lawnmower Man? Parts and tarts. That would be The Thunderous Wizard. Bram Stoker's. Has to be. Hmm. Gotta love that Gary Oldman. Do you know that uh, Fincher wanted Gary Oldman to be in this movie, but he couldn't. He couldn't uh, make it work because of schedule.
2: Yeah, because he read the script. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and, and Fincher Wars. wanted him because
3: he had a natural <laughs> English accent.
2: <laughs> but he read. He read the first ten pages. It's like no good. Yeah, he was probably going to be
0: the prison doctor. That's my guess. But no, sir, you are wrong. It was not see Bram Stoker's Dracula.
2: I know. Ooh, yeah, vi- all
0: right. so uh, bling,
3: it has to be death becomes her. There were so many awesome shots with, like the candles through the body and the wrapped around heads, has to be it. Uh,
0: you are correct,
3: bling.
1: Yeah. it
0: yeah. was death becomes her. I can't believe that T dubs got yeah. the Meryl Streep answer and did not get death becomes it, her. It, it
2: was
3: it in the yeah. shot, I mean, or in perfect. the
0: in your answer. So, answer. Yeah, I, I'm kind of i'm surprised it wasn't but, Batman Returns, frankly. but uh.
2: Yeah, I, but, I believe Bram Stoker's won best makeup, hair and makeup had to have right. Gary Oldman was so, might be fair. Yeah, but so I think I'll I got, got a little one. confused right there. But I knew as soon as I said it, I knew I was wrong. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry, T. dubs Congratulations, Bling. Enjoy your somewhat off-brand Michael Bean sex doll.
3: I'll take it. I'm it's sure better than gone. a Chris Klein one
0: i mean oh, sure. <laughs> hey, hey, this one comes with an extra orifice in the chest so that's a plus it's
2: a toilet and a sex score <laughs> yep. score <laughs> yep all righty well
0: uh that brings us to recommendations and as always i will go first because i am selfish and my recommendation this week is another to be chem go figure um this time i'm recommending professor marston and the wonder women It is a dramatization of the interesting life of the creator of Wonder Woman, Professor William Marston. He was a Harvard professor in the relatively young field of modern psychology. And for those who don't know it, the early Wonder Woman comics were more than a little subversive and kinky. The good doctor had a thing for bondage and may or may not have lived that poly lifestyle uh, with his wife and a student lover. Um, It stars Luke Evans. Rebecca Hall and Bella Heathcote with cameos from Connie Britton and Oliver Platt. And like I said, as always, it's free on Tubi, so check it out. It's got like an 86 on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and it's a, yeah, it's kind of a small independent ish movie, I believe. But yeah, no, it's basically got the facts correct about the uh, guy that created Wonder Woman, uh, hence the lasso of truth, because also, bonus fact, he was the guy that invented the lie detector yeah
3: weird right we've brought up now luke evans and bram stoker's dracula so who's a better dracula luke evans or gary oldman because for my money it's all luke evans he's so handsome
2: oh boy that's a lot to digest i'm
0: sorry but in this movie he looks like uh uh, jason gordon levitt's dad
2: his name is joseph gordon (laughs) whatever the kid from uh, uh, third
0: rock from the sun yeah no but he literally right. looks like an older version of joseph gordon levitt in this like because his hair slicked back it's like it's really weird <laughs> or like <laughs> if like joseph, joseph gordon levitt and michael shannon had a love child whatever but it's a fun movie it's a little weird but you know it's super horny so check it out
2: yeah legendary pervert that guy so apparently so <laughs> rock and roll uh my kind of guy yeah, I have a, I have a couple of recommendations. Um because I was I've been preparing for John Wick 4, been watching Donnie Yen movies and I watched a relatively more recent one called Raging Fire where uh, he has to face off with a policeman that he put behind bars for rightfully testifying against. And of course, like a lot of Hong Kong cinema, the action scenes are fantastic. And then uh, if you are, want to watch a movie about a marauding animal hunting down people that's more entertaining than Alien 3, watch Cocaine Bear, which I, I recently bought. It's not great. It has a couple of really cool kills. It's got a couple of fun moments. It kind of peters out by the third act, but it's still a lot more fun than the theatrical cut of Alien 3. Yeah.
3: I, I think uh not far from here, somewhere in central Kentucky, the uh, the actual cocaine bear is stuck and on display.
2: Yeah, I mean literally like so the movie's ridiculous, right? Like obviously it didn't happen this way, but the drug dealer who loses all the cocaine literally did crash land in somebody's front yard. And they show the original newsreel from the '80s of it was the in, front yard of it's the, in North Georgia, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like this guy just like literally died. And like, I don't know, he just kind of fell. It's like, so it's kind of it's a funny movie. It's it's got a, a couple of really great moments and some gnarly kills. It's over reliant on CGI and a lot of CGI. Obviously, it's a bear, but. Like, a little more practical effects with the gore wouldn't hurt. I'll just say that. And more kills, for sure. I would, way more kills. My wife was like, this is disgusting. And I'm like, it's not disgusting enough, is the problem. (laughs) Uh,
3: I also have a couple recommendations this week. I was on the road, so I didn't get to consume a lot of media this week. But I did, uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit, finally watched the first Creed movie uh and man that's really good i'm excited uh for creed 3 now i'm gonna have to go make sure i watch creed 2 and wait make- yeah there's, there's creed a, you 3. know there's a
2: 2 right <laughs> I, know, I guess
3: it's not creed cube but they just skipped creed just
2: totally skipped it uh I, I
3: i i i wanted to watch creed 2 when it came out because rocky 3 was always i'm sorry rocky 4 was always my favorite with the ivan drago fight and uh so I was excited for that. And so I'm, I'm going to watch that this week and, and I'll hopefully catch Creed three while it's still at the theaters. Um, but hey, my you other
0: better re- check it out, Mr. Bling or Jonathan Majors is going to choke you out. I, yeah, don't. Allegedly. I don't right. want to be
3: on the wrong side of him. Not great. Not uh, great. I hope it's not true. I was, hope it's not true for, not true for everybody's sake. Uh, but uh, that's an unfortunate want, story.
2: Want-
0: You went full Ezra Miller. You never go full Ezra Miller.
3: Well... Especially if you're actually a large enough and strong enough human being to do anything when you go full Ezra, yeah. Miller. Ezra, like Miller, Ezra Miller. Ezra
2: Miller going full Ezra Miller is like 112 pounds. Of I, yeah.
3: I wish Ezra Miller would go full Ezra Miller on me and give me a chance to show them yeah. what I can do.
2: That's definitely uh, a headbutt situation on yeah. full Ezra Miller. Just,
3: just end Ezra Miller's whole situation.
0: Well, let's be fair here. You are probably correct. I'm pretty sure they weigh about as much as one of Jonathan Major's arms. So, yeah. not nearly the threat, but still, don't, don't choke fans um, or
2: folks. Well,
3: s- speaking, of, speaking of violent crime, that brings me to my other recommendation, um, mm-hmm. which is, and this came up earlier in the pod, actually, um, the television show on Netflix, Mindhunter. Um, it is not new at all, but See? Um, David Fincher... Month. Fincher uh, directs several episodes, including the first two and last two episodes of season one. He basically serves as the de facto showrunner. Unfortunately, he said several times that season three is not going to happen. Um, but it, it stars Colt uh, McCallany, who is, uh, is in Alien Three uh, and a frequent Fincher collaborator. As T. Dubbs pointed out earlier, uh, the show is based on the creation of the Behavioral Science Unit at the FBI and. The characters portrayed by Jonathan Groff, who's fantastic, and and uh, uh, um aren't they're not they're not real people, but they're based on two very real uh, FBI agents and
2: Groff. Fox is,
0: Mulder and Dana Scully.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay.
2: Well, di- hey Blaine, did you? I'm, this is this is real question. Did you catch the frozen uh, reference though, when McAlany looked at Jonathan Groff and said? do you want to build a profiling system? Does he sing it? Yeah. It was like, his a little harmonization to it.
3: <laughs> I did not catch that, uh, but that's fantastic. And I will have to pay attention to that. Next time I rewatch it. It's funny because, uh, you know, I had watched the frozen movies with the girls and didn't know who, who uh, played the character of uh, whatever his name is. The guy. Uh, S- Sven's dad
2: he's the Iceman ice yeah right uh, so the ice
3: ice man. <laughs> uh, and then and then watched the show and was like oh this dude's dope and then we watched Hamilton my wife and I and I was like oh that's the guy from the serial killer show that I like and she was like that's how you know Jonathan Groff and I was like oh th- that's what his name is you know
2: now <laughs> wait a minute now I gotta <laughs> ask you another question <laughs> Did you catch the point where Cornwallis sent him a letter? It specifically said, do you want to start a land war?
3: I I was waiting for the moment when he was interviewing Charlie Manson. And Manson just starts going, da da
2: da 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 da
3: da 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 That's really... Anyway, it's so, great. So it's based references. on the behavioral science unit. It's on Netflix. Uh, you definitely recommend it. It's based on the book Mindhunter, which is uh, the character that Jonathan Groff plays. The author is is that character, or whatever.
0: Um, you mean the guy that plays Olaf?
3: Yes. Yeah, it's definitely no, Josh. The, Josh Gad started the behavioral science oh, unit. At the FBI. <laughs> oh, Josh <man>.
0: Gad. Whatever.
2: <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know
3: Samantha. Uh, all right. We're done here.
0: I'm out. Okay. Well, I think that does conclude the pod. And next week, we're going to take on our second episode in our Xenomorph flop series. And this is another movie, or sequel, whatever, from a famous director. We're getting 1997's Alien Resurrection, hosted by none other than Captain Cash, assuming he recovers from his face hugger wounds and or chestburster with that queen embryo gestating in his abdominal cavity. But anyway, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at chumpzilla eight captain cash. Assuming he survives is at C A P T C A S H on most social media. The Thunderous Wizard can be found on Twitter at writerTLK and Bling Blake does the Twitter's from at Bling Blake. Folks, we love audience feedback, so don't forget to leave us a review or drop us a line on the socials. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream, but we can all hear your IPA farts. Looking at you, Mayor McCheese.